You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Truist International came out with its results at 1721 precisely on the Stock Exchange New Service. With me now is the CEO, Michael Mark. Michael, I'm looking at these numbers and obviously I haven't had much time to look through them because it's only uh, about 10 minutes since they came out, but they look fairly, would I say bad or volatile? Which would you prefer me to say? And Lindsay, neither of them, if you don't mind. Um, it okay. depends how you see it. If you look at the group uh, situation, then they're disappointing because uh, our profits dropped by 8.5%. But if you separate it from uh, Two Worths, uh, Africa, and Office the UK, where we had a major uh, problem this this year, um, then the Two Worths results are much better they are slightly down, about 1% down on last year. It says here, key features, retail sales up 3.7% to $18.6 billion. Gross margin comes in at 51.6%. Operating margin, 9.1%. But then it's, it starts to get quite volatile. Diluted earnings per share, down 66.8%. Uh, profit before tax, down 57.5%. And it goes on from there. Are these accounting niceties or is there substance to these falls? Well, the big difference between the comparable down 8% and the high number down you spoke about is the fact that we were forced to impair our office uh, intangible assets to the tune of £97 million. Pounds. Yes. And when you do that, you have to write it off your income statement. So... Um, that, that, that impairment charge, which is not a cash flow charge, and I'm not saying it's, in, it's a material and critical issue, but it is really an accounting uh, transaction which says that your goodwill uh, in your accounts and your trademarks are not at the value you thought they were. And so it's an accounting entry in one particular year. That's the reason why the 8.5% drop turns out to be much higher. Okay, let's talk about Office now because Sky News seems to have a mole within your organization because a few months ago they said, well, this is happening with Office and then I think three or four days ago they said, well, you're going to close down 50% of your stores in the United Kingdom. Uh, so something's going on there. What is the situation with Office and also your other UK operations? Well, it's a, our only operation is Office in the UK. It has... Uh, some other brands, the biggest of which is Offspring, yes. but you can classify it all under the heading of Office. Um, yeah, what, what happened was um, we entered into negotiation with our bankers um, a few weeks ago about um, our big balloon payment that happens in December 2020. And for whatever reason, there was a leak and the Sky, uh, Sky News issued a, a report which it was a bit alarmist and wasn't strictly accurate because we were simply entering into discussions with our bankers, which have gone very well and actually which have turned out fine. Um, but that has led to a series of events and like uh, dramatic claims like we want to close off our stores, etc. The reality is there are some stores, uh, I would say about 15 that are loss-making, that we would prefer not to have but we can't close them because we've got leases with them for the next few years. So, and they are, you know, they're not help, that's not helpful. But that is the issue. But yes, secondly, office hasn't traded well. The profit, the EBIT, uh, uh, EBITDA was about 12 
a million pounds versus last year's 20 million pounds. Mm-hmm. So, but it's a profitable business still and it still generates cash. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to carry on with it? Are you going to restructure it? Are you going to change the business model? Or because of the state of the UK high street, are you going to say, no, let's get rid of it and find a buyer for it? What is your, what is your strategy towards office? Now, that's a good question because we, we obviously debate that very carefully. Now, we're not at the point, anywhere near the point of saying, let's get rid of the business. We uh, hired a new CEO who started in October last year. Uh, he's already done some quite dramatic things, and in true words, we are much much more day-to-day actively involved in the business than we were. And there are a number of initiatives which I'm presenting to shareholders tomorrow. Um, but the reality is we actually are surprisingly more positive about the business over the next three to five years. But you are correct, Lindsay. The business model does have to change simply because besides Brexit, the UK environment as you know, is changing so radically towards e-commerce and away from physical stores. So it changes the business model that, and it's something we have to find a way to deal with, with, because the problem is we've got long leases. And you can't renegotiate those leases because I know certain companies in South Africa are renegotiating their leases. And also when you have a look at a company like the, what is it, the House of Fraser, which is owned by uh, that, uh, that chap that owns uh, Sport Direct, I mean, they, they renegotiate their leases. Can you not do that? The, the way, that is a great question, but you know, the way that happens in all the cases, even in South Africa, is that the business has to be very close to or on the verge of insolvency. Using that, um, uh, people are able then to save it from insolvency into, into such negotiations. In the UK, they've got specific um, legal methodology. In South Africa, there's been negotiations along those lines because insolvency, everyone wants to avoid. In the office case, we are not uh, close to insolvency because the business is cash generative. It makes profits. Its um, cash flow is positive. It's actually, it's, the debt at the moment, Lindsay, is actually 10 million pounds. So mm. there, there's, we can't go down that route and wouldn't want to because um, it's not applicable in our case. Your company has... And negotiating uh, leases with landlords is difficult when the landlord has a lease. Um, you, you, you can't easily negotiate those things. Okay, understood. Uh, your company has its subsidiaries in uh, South Africa, UK, and we've spoken about the UK, and you have an emerging, emerging presence in Germany, the Republic of Ireland, and other sub-Saharan African countries. But obviously, South Africa is your major uh, generator of income. Tell me about South Africa. How's it doing? You know, you know the economy, and I don't want to go down the route. To the, you, you know all the problems you've got in South Africa economically and world economy. But when we look at our numbers, um, our book is surprisingly healthy. I mean, in the surprisingly not internally, we understand what's healthy, but, but our book is really looking very healthy. Our new account growth is very good. Um, and so when you look at those two factors, and bearing in mind we are 70% sales on credit to our account base, which is healthy and growing fast, we actually are reasonably optimistic. We control our expenses well in our business. And even this year, under very tough circumstances, our profit was bra- roughly break even with last year. So we're hoping for an improvement in the next two to three years. 
despite the economic factors that we're all facing. What are the trends at the moment? Obviously, people are just there buying patterns according to their according to their income and i think there's an english phrase which says you have to cut your coat according to your cloth is that what's happening with with the true worth presence in south africa are people adjusting their buying patterns they are changing them uh, for example promotional activity is is appealing to customers at the moment so there's two types of promotions basically one is I bought goods, they're too expensive, the customers are not buying them, let me mark them down. Yeah. The other type of promotion, which is, of course, more appealing to a retailer, is to plan long in advance and understand that what is the best way we can get the manufacturer to give us the quality and fashion we want by giving them advance notice and big enough quantities and various other things so that we can offer the customer a really good deal without compromising on our DNA and our margin. So we fortunately nowadays, and all the good retailers, I think are in a similar boat, are trying and putting our supply chains together in such a way that we can um, change the way we operate to still keep our DNA intact, but yet uh, manage to offer the customer a better deal. Uh, Michael, firstly, on the future of South Africa, you're obviously a proud South African and, and you're bullish. Is that correct? You know, I'm a, I'm a South African citizen, too. This is a South African company. Uh, bullish, it's hard to say the word bullish because the truth is we are positive about South Africa, and we, of course, have to be, but we're realistic. There are lots and lots of challenges, many of which are emanate from international, the international economy. So, yes, we are positive but realistic. And the last and, and very brutal question is uh, the following. Why are you still the CEO? Because a year ago, you weren't going to be the CEO. Now, a year ago, I was still going to be the CEO, but I did say, and the board knows, as do the shareholders, that um, when we get through our uh, current challenges, which are really economic in South Africa, and now a new emerged one offers, then it will definitely be time for me to hand over, although I would be easily comfortable with handing over whenever the board wanted. And so the current arrangement is uh, over the next one year, uh, at least, but two years at most, um, I would uh, uh, finally enjoy my retirement days. Yes, but I know you enjoy being the CEO as well. Michael, thanks so much for your brutal analysis. Michael Mark is the CEO of True West International, which released its results at 20 past five on this day. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.